for this morning. Are you guys excited for this morning? Oh, yeah. I'm glad we're all excited for this morning. All right, we're going to open up like we have in the past three weeks. What is this, the fourth week? Yeah, fourth week. We're going to give God glory. Amen. So lift him up with me. Father, thank you for this morning. Glory to God, Lord. You, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord of our life. You are master. Everything we have, we give unto you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love. Thank you that we, we are seated in heavenly places with you, Father. We give you glory this morning. We give you honor. We give you praise. We put you first in our lives this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you sent your son. Thank you that this is why we celebrate. We celebrate because you have given us the sacrifice, the one who came to die for us. We thank you that we now live for you. We live for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot say thank you enough. We give you the glory and the honor. We love you. We worship you. We lift you up. You said if you would lift you up, you would draw all men unto yourself. Lord, we give you glory this morning. We love you this morning. We give you praise this morning. Thank you we're seated in heavenly places. We come this morning from this place knowing, from this knowing that we are seated with you. We're seated at the right hand of the Father. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There's no other God like you, Lord. We magnify you. We lift you up this morning. We lift you up, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you for this message that you have this morning. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we're going to continue with what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. And so I'm going to give a little recap, as I usually do uh, each of these mornings, giving a little recap. So as you see from the title, we're talking about the seed of the word. So that first week, we talked about the infallibility of the word, the importance of the word, the fact that the word of God is God, that Jesus is the word, Jesus is the word made flesh. And so we talked about that the first week. Now, we've been all up in Mark chapter 4. If you've been here, you know we all up in Mark chapter 4. So we've been talking about the parable of the sower. So we're going to go over that today. The first week, uh, the second week, we talked about the one where the seed was sown by the wayside, that Satan immediately came and took the word out of people's hearts. Then the next week, we talked about those who are uh, the seed that's sown on stony ground. That means people received it with gladness. They got the word. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm excited about it, but they had no root in them. And so after tribulation, what we talked about last week, after tribulation or persecution arise, immediately they stumble. And so now this week, we're going to be talking about those that are sown among thorns. So let's read Mark chapter 4. We're going to go through that whole parable. We're going to read, read Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and we're going to end at verse 20. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. It says, And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them by many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground. We didn't have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. 
But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundred. And he said to them, Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Now we're going to get into this in a little bit, but what that means right there is those who are hearing with their spiritual ears. Those who can hear what I'm saying, and it doesn't go in one ear and out the other, but lands in your heart. Now this is what this is talking about. So we're going to jump down to verse 13. We're going to do 13 to 20. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? This story? This is just me trying to teach you with natural things what spiritual things are. If you can't even understand by me using natural things, how are you going to understand the deeper things of God? Is what he's saying here. He said, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. He sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. When we talked about that, we talked about some of the ways that someone can immediately, that where Satan could come and just steal the word immediately is through false, uh, wrong doctrines, wrong teachings, where they are, you already have something in your mind that kicks out that word and goes, oh, that must not be true. Or what else? Wrong experiences. We'll get into that later too, experiences. Where people use experiences over the word, and it'll kick out that word. Uh, then it says, the other, another type of soil, it says here, are, uh, is stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for a little bit. So when tribulation of persecution arises for the word's sake, I want to remind you, for the word's sake, for the word's sake, trials come because Satan wants to take the word out of your heart. For the word's sake. Then immediately they stumble because they don't have any root. They haven't let the word of God get deep down in their heart, meditated on it, and it became roots. It became, it, that everything they lived came from that word, came from the word of God. No. It says that when tribulation came, that's like a tree, when it doesn't have deep roots, the slightest of wind can come and knock that over. But if you have deep roots, trials and tribulation, we, we read last week in Matthew where it says that there's two uh, people. One built his house on the sand and one built his house on stone, on rock. And we know the rock is the word of God. So the difference there is, is that one will be moving or will be changing. Sand moves and changes. It shifts. It's shifty. There are people who are shifty because their life is not built on the word. And when your life is not built on the word, then that means it can only be built on other things like circumstances, how you feel, your, you know, your five physical senses. And those are shifty. Those, those change. Your emotions change all the time. How you feel about something can change, but the word doesn't change. He says the grass will, uh, 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 will fail, the, the flowers will fade away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You, the word of God will never change on you, and that's why you can stand on it. So when it talks about here, persecution arises, tribulation, trials arise. And so when the wind comes and the rain blows and hits the house, the one that's built on a rock, I mean, when you're in a, your house, you're at your house that is built on rock, when there's a storm, when there's wind, when there's rain, are you sitting there worried or scared? No. You know your house can take it. You're, you're, you're just hanging out inside the house. Things can be beaten on it. You can hear wind. You're not worried about it. You're just hanging out. Sometimes you don't even realize it's raining. Oh, is it raining? 
You don't even realize, right? Because you have a solid foundation. You're not scared. It's not shifty. That's how you ought to be with the word. So founded that when things come, you shouldn't even be shaken. It shouldn't even phase you. You should be able to stand on that word, which is unchanging and unmoving, no matter what circumstances come. But what I want to highlight to you there is that the winds and the rains came to both houses. Whatever your ha- the foundation that your house is built on doesn't change the fact that rain and wind comes. It comes to every house. But the difference is, what is your house built on? Amen? And so that's what he's talking about there. When They had no root in them. They had no root. So when tribulation came, they stumbled. Next is uh, verse 18. Now these, now these, this is the soil we're going to be talking about today. These are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And what happened? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And then next week, we're going to be talking about verse 20 next week, which is, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100. So make sure you come back next week. You want to get, because you're good ground. You want to be good ground. Amen? So we're going to hear about that next week. But this week, let's get into that, that third type of soil there. So these are the ones that when the word of God is sown, the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things choke the word. Choke the word. So the first one, Satan. Satan came to steal the word. Has to do with the devil. Okay. The second one, tribulation arises, which is also the devil, trials to try to get that word out of you. I'm telling you right now, the enemy is trying to get the word out of your heart. When trials and tribulations come, it is because he is trying to take that faith out of, he doesn't want you walking in faith. He doesn't want you walking in faith. You know why? Faith is what lays hold of every promise that's in the word of God. Faith is what reaches out and grabs what has been done in you and given to you through Christ. Faith is how you appropriate everything God has already given and bought for you by the blood of Jesus. So what does Satan not want? He does not want you operating in faith. He's scared. He's scared of you operating in the fullness that God has for you. So what does he do? He comes to steal the word. So he thinks, okay. If I can tempt this person, let me give you an example. I'll use health for example. You're believing God for divine health. The enemy will try to come and put symptoms on you. Why? He wants you to believe that you're sick. Once you believe that you're sick, you act sick, you talk sick, you believe you're sick. It gets in your heart. He wants to take out the word and sow something else. And so he puts symptoms so that you'll believe them. But if you decide, no, and you started already planting the word of God in your heart, the word of God, if you started planting 1 Peter 2.24 in your heart, Isaiah 53 in your heart, Galatians 3.13 in your heart, if you've already been planting by his stripes, I am healed, then you water that word, you water that word, you water that word. The word says God gives the increase. Amen. And so if you water that word and water that word and water that word, you will get a harvest of what that word is promising. But the enemy doesn't want you to have a harvest on that word. 
So he comes to steal it before it can fully produce, before it can, before it can fully grow. He wants you to take your eyes off the word and start putting your eyes on your body and on your wallet and all these things that will try to talk to you because everything talks. But what are you listening to? Everything talks. But what are you giving your attention to? What are you giving your ear to? Proverbs 4.20 says, my son, pay attention to my words. Pay attention to my words. You're paying with your attention. You're paying with your attention to something. Always. You're going to be paying attention to something at all times. But what is it? What is holding your attention? What are you letting on the inside of you? Because that's what will grow and that's what will produce in your life. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. What did he say earlier in this parable? Those who have ears to hear, let him hear. He's not talking about your physical ears. He is talking about the ears of your heart. He's talking about your spiritual ears. But how does it get into your spiritual ears? Through your physical ears, yes. Hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. But the thing is, whatever you're letting in your heart, he said, incline thine ear into my sayings, let them not depart from thy eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them before your eyes, get them in your ears so that it can get down into your heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. I said this last week, that if he said, keep them in the midst of your heart, that must mean that there's an ability for it to become taken out of your heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are what? Life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, listen, there are people who try to dispute the word of God. Now, you go to a good church. Obviously, you're here. So I know that you know this. This is good. But there are many churches that try to teach when, they, when you talk about the promises of God, they try to teach that miracles are done away with, you know, all of this garbage that the, the word doesn't say. And so they'll say things like, well, this is figurative. Or, you know, when it talks about prosperity, the blessing of the Lord, oh, well, that's just, you know, that your soul is prospering, that you're spiritually, you know, basically just that you're saved and that's it. And the thing is, how do you dispute where it says life to those that find him and health to all their flesh? Flesh is flesh. Flesh is your body. You can't, you can't try to spiritualize that. You can't try to make that like it means something else. You'd have to do, you'd have to have a theologian to mess up your way, your thinking to, to, to try to get this and try to twist it to say that there's no miracles for today. Oh, you know, he doesn't heal today. No, 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 no. You must be getting that from somewhere else because when I read the word, it tells me the truth and it says it's life to those that find him in health to my flesh, to my flesh. Amen. Praise God. So if you keep it in the midst of your heart, it will allow that seed to grow and to grow and to grow, sprout and grow. Also, Mark chapter 4, we're going to verses 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground, and he sleeps by night, and he rises by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. That is not your part to worry about. It is not your part to make it grow. You water it, you put the seed in, but it says God gives the increase. God gives the increase. It's the power of God that's in the word that's causing it to grow as you water it, as you take care of it, right? When a, when a farmer has, a, has, a, has land where he's planting crops, he does the work of putting the seed in, he makes sure he waters it, 
but there's nothing else he can do to make that thing come up out of the seed and sprout. He can't sit there and yell at it. He can't sit there. He can't do anything to make it grow. What does it say right here in verse 28? For the earth yields crops by itself. If you have good soil, the seed is going to grow. If you maintain your soil and you water that word, it will grow and it will produce. Period. It's the word. Amen. For the earth yields crops by itself, the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. When the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. There is a harvest coming for the seed that you've been planting in your heart. There's a harvest coming for the seed that you've been watering, the seed that you've been watering. But it's only the seed that you've planted and watered that will get, you'll get a crop from. You can't expect a crop from something you have not planted in your heart and watered and watered and watered. Amen. And so you can say, oh, well, my pastor knows that. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking if I should. Yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. There's something I've been working on I want to preach, but I'm going to give you all a little sneak peek. I'm going to give you all a sneak peek for a message I got cooking. <laughs> but there's different types of knowing. K-N-O-W, know. There's different types of knowing. What does that mean? Well, you can meet someone. Hi, what's your name? Jean. Jean. Oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Jean. And then I come over here, and I'm talking to Kurt, and I say, and you say something about Jean. Oh, I know Jean. I met her. I know her. I don't really know her. Like, I know her. I know her name. I know of her. But I don't really know her. Right? I just met her. Okay? That's one type of knowing. That's one level of knowing. And I'm going to give you an example of how people do that in church. Oh, I know that word. Pastor said that before. They come up for healing, which is, get prayer for healing. I'm not discouraging from that, but I'm giving you an example. They come up for healing, and you say, okay, what word are you standing on? What word are you standing on? And they say, oh, um... Well, I'm not really, well, doesn't it say, like, somewhere in the word, it says something about, like, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm pretty sure that's it. That's, pastor said that before. What you're telling me is that pastor knows the word. What you're telling me is that you don't intimately know the word. What you're telling me is that he knows the word. That's not what I'm asking for. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm not asking, does pastor know the word? I'm asking, do you know the word? Have you planted the word? The thing is, Because other people have planted the word and it grows and it produces, others can come and eat of its fruit. And that's not wrong. That's not wrong. Baby believers, baby Christians, little kids don't cook for themselves. They don't clean for themselves. They need to come eat from someone else's tree while they're growing. But when you've been in church, when you've been growing in the word, I mean, you should come to a place. Paul said you should be able to, you should be teachers of the word. And yet I'm still teaching you the first oracles of God. I shouldn't be giving you milk. You shouldn't be drinking milk out of a bottle and you're 23 years old. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so what, what this is saying here is you need to be planting the seed and you need to be watering that seed. Why? You're not always going to be by someone else who you can eat of their fruit. You're not always going to be next to pastor or any of the pastors here. You're not always going to be next to someone where you can just eat from them. You want continual crops. You want fruit. You want to be continually producing. That way you're not getting sick and running to get a healing and going to a meeting and then getting sick and running and going to a meeting to get hands laid on you. You should have the word so in you that you're walking in divine health. That's his plan for you. That's divine health. Continually walking in his divine health is his plan. It's not, you know, with God, 
Some people preach there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs in your relationship with God, hills and valleys. That's unscriptural. That's a, not, the word does not say that. That is unscriptural. That is unscriptural. Uh, the thing is, with God, it's a continual up and up. With God, you should continually be uh, growing closer, hearing him better, walking with him. Think of a human, a, a human relationship, right? Your spouse or whatever. Over the years as you're married, you get closer. You get closer. Over time, you so know that person, you know what they're going to say. They make a face, and you already know what they're thinking. When, you first, when I first meet Miss Jean, she doesn't, I don't know what her faces mean. I don't know what that means. I have to ask her. But you get so close to someone that you, can already, you already know what they're going to say. You know their character. If you're really close to someone, let's say you have a best, best, best friend or your spouse or whatever, someone you're really close to, sister, brother, whatever. If someone were to come up to you and say, oh, such and such, you know, your, your sister said, and said something crazy, and you'd say, oh, no, that must have been, that must have been someone else. That must have not been my sister. Why? Because you know your sister. Yeah. Oh, no, that, you could know, you know right from what they said, oh, no, that wasn't them. Why? Because you, you've walked with her. You've talked with her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Your brother, you've walked with him. You've talked to him. You know him. You know him well enough to say, no, that couldn't have been him. No, that couldn't have been him. Right. If someone came to you and said, Pastor Daryl said, God put this sickness on me, you say, uh. <laughs> that must be a different Pastor Daryl. That must be somebody else. Because why? You, sat, you know him. You've sat under him. You've talked with him. You know his way of life. You know, no, there's no way he said that. Right. That's how it is when someone tries to give you some false doctrine, something that's not the word of God. You should be so close. You should have the word so hidden in your heart that anytime anything that's false, anytime Satan tries to come up and tell you, well, listen, you know, I know they teach that God heals, but sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And, you know, that's not for you. And you haven't been reading the word. You haven't been doing it. You haven't been praying. And he brings condemnation. Nothing in here says that you earn healing. Do you earn salvation? No. Do you earn healing? No. He gave it. But what is being in your word and praying? I'm not saying not to do that. What is being in, in the word and praying going to do for you? Show you. It's going to put it in your heart. You're going to know who you are. You're going to know that he's healed you. Without that, you're not going to walk in it. But it's not because you're trying to earn it. You're reading because you're finding out what he already gave you. If you don't put that in your heart, you're not going to walk in it. You can hear it and hear it and hear it, but you not be a hearer. You ever been talking to someone and you're saying, but they're kind of looking off and you know they're not hearing anything you're saying. And you might even be like, hey, repeat back to me what I just said. They might be able to say the last couple words because it was, you had just said it, but it didn't sink in. You might wait a week and be like, what did I say? They have no idea what you said. You can talk. Someone can talk and you're not really hearing, right? You can talk to someone and they're not really getting what you're saying. It's not getting down on the inside of them. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He knows you got ears on the side of your head. That's not what he's talking about. He who takes my words, John 6, 63 says, my words are spirit and they're life. If you take my words and you put them deep on the inside of you and you water that word, it's a guaranteed harvest. Guaranteed harvest. Whatever promise, whatever it is you're believing God for, you have to take the seed of that word or you will not have the produce of that word. You will not have the crops of that word. And so the thing is, if you want, I've said this before, the seeds of prosperity are in here. 
The seeds of healing are in here. The seeds of peace in your mind are in here. The seeds of having a child, it's, it's all, whatever it is that you're desiring of God, it is in here, but it's in seed form. This is a bag of seeds. You plant it in your heart and you water it and you water it and you water it. You will receive whatever that promise is. But let me tell you this. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. Yesterday's faith came from yesterday's hearing. Faith is now, Hebrews 11, 1. Yeah. Now faith is. Right. Faith is now. Right. You have to hear now. You cannot rely on your past hearing. You cannot rely on the faith that you were using before with the hearing that you heard before. You ate today. You're going to eat later on today, or if you didn't eat breakfast, you're about to eat when you leave here. When you're really hungry, you're going to leave and get lunch or whatever. You're not going to go, oh, well, I ate last week. I ate last Sunday. I don't even eat this Sunday. You would be foolish. God uses parables for a reason. He uses these stories of the natural to describe what's happening in the spirit. He talks about this like your food, right? Bread. This is your daily bread. If you didn't eat this today, you are starving spiritually. And so whenever you need to produce, you need to give out, you're not going to be able to. What happens, you know, runners, let's say you're about to do something. Someone who's about to run a marathon doesn't just starve themselves. They're going to give themselves nutritious food, something that gives them energy. They're going to drink lots of water, right? If you are spiritually starving, then when something comes your way that you have to have endurance for, you're not going to have it. You're not going to have that endurance. It, it talks about in the Word of God. Let's go over to, hold on, let me see. Hebrews. I'll just read it to you once I get there. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Endurance. Another word for that can be patience. You have need of patience. But endurance is something you have in a race, a long-term race. This is a long-term race. Fighting the good fight of faith is a long-term race. This isn't a 100-yard dash. You need endurance. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There are people that cast away their confidence. What, is that? what does that look like? If you have something and you cast it away, let's say you have in faith for something, and it says you have need of endurance. Let's say you don't have patience. Let's say you just go, well, I quoted the word, I believe the word, and I didn't see it. And then you toss it. That's casting away. Uh, tossing it away. Tossing it. You didn't really desire. You didn't really want that bad enough. I could tell you that. And it's not that you're trying to earn it. It's not that you have to want something bad enough that God will give it, for God has already given it. But your desire will show up your faith is linked to your desire. Uh, he, uh, Mark eleven twenty four. Whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, believe that you, sh- you receive them and you shall have them. So many people, and this is not bad, this is good. So many people stay on the believe you receive them and you'll have them part. But what about that first part? Whatever things you desire. Whatever things you desire. What are you desiring? What is the forefront of your mind? What do you actually want? The thing that you actually desire, you'll go after. What, whatever, you, whatever is first priority in your life, it will show up. We'll see what you've made for first priority. We can tell by your time and by your money. 
we can see by your fruit if you've been watering. Right? And the thing is, it says, uh, back in, going back to Mark chapter 4, about this type of soil, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things are choking the word. The first soil, the second soil, those have to do with the enemy coming in. But this third soil, this has to do with what do you desire? What are you really placing first in your life? What is first in your life? Uh, so can you pull up, this is Mark 4, 24, but I want it in the Amplified version. So I'm going to ask, so he's going to pull it up for me. Because I want you to see this in the Amplified. I'm going to read it in the NKJV first, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. It's talking about the word. Let's see what Amplified says. It says, he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear. The measure of thought and study that you give to this truth that you're hearing right now will be the measure of virtue. You know what virtue means? Power. It says when, G- when the woman with the shoe blood came up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, virtue had flown out of him. Power, healing power flew out, uh, was flowing out of him. It says the measure of power and knowledge that comes back to you. The amount of study, the amount of thought, the amount of meditation on this word will be the same measure or amount of power that you walk in and knowledge that you have of the word. Faith can only come by what you know. Faith can only come, you heard it, now you know it, so you can have faith for it. You can't have faith for a promise that you don't know was given to you, right? If someone, I used this uh, example the other day, I wrote something, not in here, but if a man told his kids, or uh, says out loud, let's say he's talking to his wife or something, he's just saying out loud, hey, I'm going to get the kids ice cream. So let's say he has two boys. One of them overhears it. One is in his room playing. The one that hears it is excited. The one that hears it is expectant. The one that hears it knows, oh, my dad's going to get me ice cream. He's excited about it, and he's going to act like it, and he's going to keep thinking about it, and he's going to meditate on it, and he's going to get excited. What is that expectation of the word? The one that was in the room that didn't hear, he can't have expectation because he didn't hear it. He didn't know. The amount of thought and study, the amount of meditation that you place in the word of God is the exact same measure of power and knowledge that you'll walk in. It's the amount of power that you'll walk in. Only, only that which you've put thought and study into, the truth that you hear. You can't just hear it in passing. You can't just hear your pastor preach it. You can't just hear it once and think you know it. So back to what I was talking about with the, with the types of knowing. So you know someone, hey, I, I, you met someone, high, an acquaintance, you know them. But it's not a deep level of knowing. You know their name. You know of them. But you don't really know them. All right? There's another kind of knowing. There's another kind of knowing where you have a friend. You have a friend and, uh, you know, you kind of started talking. You get to know each other. There's There's a level of depth there. There's a level of depth there. But then there's a kind of knowing. I'll say the friendship where there's a somewhat of a depth there. Let's say... We're going to use, like, this, like the word says, tribulation comes, something comes up, 
And then you really find out if they're your friend. Are they still around? Do they stick around? Are, are they staying with you through all of that? If they, if they up and leave, you realize we didn't really know each other like I thought we did, right? Then there's a type of knowing that is a marriage type of knowing. There is a type of knowing, you're all adults here. It says Adam knew Eve. Pastor has used this before. Adam knew Eve. You know that that's an intimate knowing. They had children. That's what know means. There is an intimate type of knowing that bears fruit. That is the only type of knowing that produces anything. Is the type of knowing that's an intimate knowing. It's a type of knowing where a seed is planted, right? And you produce. That's the only type of knowing, and it's an intimate type of knowing. That's the only kind of knowing that will produce anything, and that is how you have to know the word. It has to plant on the inside of you and produce. But if you only know the word like an acquaintance, you will never, ever, ever produce. You will never, ever, ever walk in the fruit of it. You can read it, you can hear it, but until it's planted and watered, you will not produce from that type of knowing. Amen? I'm, pre I'm preaching better than y'all, amen, and that's good. That's powerful. There's a type of knowing that bears fruit, and any other type of knowing is a lower level of knowing and will not produce anything. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Now, that's just a little sneak peek. <laughs> that's a little sneak peek of a message I got cooking up. <laughs> Here's another sneak peek of another message I got cooking up. I'm going to just give you a little bit. Isaiah 55. <laughs> Actually, can you put this on the screen, please? But not amplified, just NKJV is good. NKJV is good. Oh, I want to preach on this so bad. There's other verses of this chapter that I want to preach on, but I'm not going to do it because I'm going to stick to our theme of the seed of the word. Glory to God. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. We're just going to do 10 through 11 right now. I want to go into 7, 8, and 9, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to practice self-control and not preach on that right now. Verses 10 through 11. God said, for as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper, and the thing for which I sent it. Go back to verse 10, if you would. He is giving, this is like a parable. It's like, like he's using parables in, in the New Testament, like Jesus was. God is speaking sort of like in a parable. He said, as the rain and the snow come from heaven. I'm about to get deep for a moment. Are y'all with me? Can I get deep with y'all? Can I get deep with y'all? This right here is showing the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual realm, which is higher than the natural realm. Okay? Rain and snow from heaven come down and water the earth and make it bring forth in bud. This is showing you one of the principles of God. The spirit realm supersedes the natural realm. You see that what is coming from the spirit realm causes change in the natural realm. When the word of God is spoken out of your mouth, you are creating change 
in the spirit realm and it is affecting the natural realm. As rain comes down from heaven and snow, it doesn't return there. It waters the earth. It does it. It brings forth and it buds. It gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater, seed to the sower. Seed, seed is continual. You plant something, you get it, it produces fruit, and then there's seed in that fruit. Okay, bread, obviously there's not a tree that gives forth bread. What is he talking about here? The wheat, it grows, they take it, they grind it up, make something out of it, get bread. What is bread? The word says, uh, Jesus talks about healing is the children's bread. Healing is the children's bread. Okay, and then next verse, it says, this is exactly how my word that comes from my mouth this is exactly how it works. It won't return to me void. It will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There's a couple ways. That, this is multifaceted. I mean, the word is multifaceted. I'm going to give you one example. Jesus. Jesus is the word. It says, my word comes from my mouth. It doesn't return to me void. It accomplishes what I please. It prospers in the thing for which I sent it. Jesus accomplished all the work. He was, the sacrifice, he was the sacrifice, and he accomplished the work of taking you out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing you into the kingdom of light. Jesus prospered in the thing for which he was sent for. Je- oh, Psalm 107.20 says, I sent my word, and it healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. That's another manifold. It's talking about the word of God heals you. It's talking about Jesus. He sent his word. He sent Jesus and it healed you. Jesus is the word. They are one. The same thing that you are believing. Oh, uh, Jesus was here and he could just touch me. I'd be healed. This is Jesus. This is the word. He said, I sent my word and it healed you. You don't wait for a heavenly visitation or an angel or something. The word of God is the power of God. The word of God is God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is not ink on paper. If you let it be what John 6.63 says it is, which is spirit and life, then it shall accomplish. It will do. It will prosper in the thing for which he sent it. Amen? Amen. This This is showing you just one example. This is like when we talked about the fig tree. It says Jesus spoke back to him. He answered it. That means the fig tree was talking. It was saying something. Your body's trying to tell you something. Your wallet's trying to tell you something. Everything's trying to tell you something. But Jesus answered it back. And what did Jesus do when he spoke to it and he cursed it? He walked away. He didn't sit there and watch it and wait to see if something's happening. He believed that the word that came out of his mouth, Mark 11, 23, he knew whatever I say, if I believe it, I don't doubt in my heart, I have what I say. Everything that Jesus told you to do was what he walked in himself. Everything Jesus told you to do is because he showed the fruit of it. He showed that it works. He said, I know it works. I did it. I do it. He spoke to the fig tree knowing if I say and I believe in my heart and I don't doubt, it shall come to pass. So what does he do? He walks away. He says it. He believes it. And he walks away. He's not waiting for the natural realm to tell him if the word works. He's not waiting for circumstances to tell him if the word works. Either you believe the word works or you're looking at everything else and you believe what the world is telling you, you believe what the doctor's telling you, you believe in, you believe in what your family's telling you, whatever it is, whatever circumstance that's coming against you. 
That is what a mountain is. What is a mountain? We talk about Mark eleven twenty three. 23. You shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Don't doubt in your heart. Believe those things you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Mark eleven twenty three 23 is talking about a mountain. What's a mountain? Well, think about this. If you are walking on a path. Now, back in the day, and there was a lot of walking, donkeys, you know, whatever. Walking on a path, and you're trying to get to a destination, and there's a mountain in that path. It means it is blocking you from the thing that you desire. It is blocking you from the end goal. A mountain is anything in your life that is blocking you from your desire or the end goal. And so he says, you speak to it and you command it to go. You command it to leave. There is some, if your end goal, if your desire, if you want to be healthy, I mean, what do, what do you really desire? What are you really desiring? If your end goal is to be rich, to be healthy, to be wealthy, I mean, not end goal, obviously end goal, end goal is furthering the kingdom, what God's called you to do. But within that are promises, right? And if you want to walk in all that God has you, listen, I said this to the Lord a long time ago, and I still say it. I will not leave anything you did for me on the table. I don't care if anybody else leaves. I'm not letting what you be done, uh, you did to be done in vain. I don't let what you did be done in vain in my life. Basically, everything that you bought and paid for, I'm taking the full benefit of it. I'm not taking half of it. I'm taking the full benefit of it. And so if anything blocks you in that way, if anything is in your path stopping you from your desired destination, he says you command it to leave. You speak to that problem. Don't talk to God about the mountain. Not once did Jesus say to a, a, a sickness or a pray for someone to say, Father, if you would take this. No. Full authority. Luke 10, 19. Now behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. He had full authority and he knew it. Do you know it? Do you know you have it? If you did, you'd talk to it. You wouldn't talk to God about it. You would talk to it. He didn't say talk to God about it. If there's a pain in your body, you don't say, oh, Father. If only you would. He did. He did. Now, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to use the authority he's given you? Right? Man, I got to get back. Oh, Lord, I got to get back to the, the soil. <laughs> this is, oh, man. Once you start, it's like it's hard to stop, you know. Jesus. That mountain is stopping you from what you greatly desire. What are you so desiring? What is really in your heart? What is it that's taking up the most capacity in your thought life? What are you actually meditating on? Because if you're worrying, you're meditating on what the enemy is telling you. You're worrying, you're meditating on what the world is telling you. If you're worrying about finances, you're listening to the world saying the economy is going. It's dropping. You can't buy houses. You don't live by the economy of the world. You don't live in the kingdom of the world. You live in the kingdom of God. But that's a choice. Choose ye this day. Life and blessing or death and cursing, you choose. You cannot place everything on God. He puts it back on you and says, I've given it to you. Now what are you doing with it? But it all starts from your desire. What do you desire? Sometimes people think they have a faith problem. But really, it's probably more so a desire problem. Because when I tell you, people who have a desire for something, they don't feel that they're lacking in faith. When there's a young man that there's a girl he wants to marry, he has a strong desire, I tell you he's going to go after it. I tell you he's going to go after what he wants. He's not going to say, oh, uh, well, you know, 
Maybe I'm lacking in faith in that area. I don't know if I should maybe talk to her. No, no. Desire gives birth to that faith. What do you desire? Mark eleven twenty four. whatsoever things ye desire when you pray. David and Goliath. This is like talking about the mountain again, right? Goliath, like a mountain. What did David say? He's a, he's a young guy. He comes up. What did David say <laughs> when he came up and decided, I think I'm going to just take his head off? What does he ask when he walks up? This is what he asks. He says, well, what do you get if you kill him? This is a young guy. He's like, what's the prize? What do you get if you kill him? When I tell you, all those soldiers knew what the prize was. They all knew. It was a threefold prize. It was one, it was riches. Two, it was the girl, you get the king's daughter. And three, no taxes. Come on, somebody, no taxes. That alone. <laughs> okay, threefold. He asked, what was it? They told him. They knew what it was. They knew very well what the, what the treasure was, what the reward was. But they were looking at Goliath. They were looking at the problem. They were looking at the issue. They were looking at the mountain. And they said, oh, we can't do that. What did the ten spies do? Oh, there's giants in the land, the ten spies. Oh, there's giants in the land. We, can't, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. They made that up. He didn't even say that. They thought that themselves. Okay, let's go back to the David Goliath story. I'm going to all the stories. But listen, David, when he walked up, he said, what's the prize? My eyes are on the prize. What's the prize? My eyes are on the prize. He didn't look at the problem that was in the way. He looked at the reward. Jesus on the cross, it says he looked for the joy that was set before him. Do you think the cross was joyful? No. He set his eyes on the prize. He set his eyes on what he desired. He said, or the word says that he had joy. He was looking at you. You're his joy. You're his crown and glory. You're the apple of his eye. You're the one that he has a photo of in his wallet. You're the one whose picture is on the mantle. He's looking at you. He looked at you when he took all of that on the cross. He was looking at the prize. What did he desire? He desired to bring you back, give unto you the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling you back to the Father. That was his goal. That was his prize. And like it says in Isaiah 55, it says, that word accomplished what it was sent to do. That word prospered in the thing for which it was sent. Jesus accomplished that very goal. But he was looking at the prize. What do you desire? What are you looking at? That's powerful. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4. <laughs> so it says, The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. This is all up to you. This is not Satan. Nope. Nope. Not the enemy. It's not the enemy. The first one was. The second one was. This third one here is not. This is your desire. Now, let me say this. Uh, are desires wrong? No. Are riches wrong? No. He says, beloved, I, I, wish, I, I wish that you prosper me in health even as you so prosper. It says in the Old Testament that he delights in the prosperity of his servant. Riches aren't wrong. You know that. You go to this church, you know that. Okay. Riches aren't wrong. Desires aren't wrong. Desires aren't wrong. He put desires in you. There are desires in your heart for a reason. Those desires push you toward the goal. Those desires bring you to what it is that whatever the promise is, whatever it is that you're believing for. Those desires help put a little pep in your step. There's nothing wrong with desires. You desire to have a family. You desire to be married, to have kids. You desire to further the kingdom. Those are good desires. 
But, what, but if I tell you that those things come first before the word, you're wrong. You're wrong. I said this to the youth the other night. I got two youth in here right now that were in here the other night. If the word is not first place, Jesus is not first place in your life. That might be a hard, a hard thing to swallow at the moment, but praise God for his grace. Praise God that you can make the change today. You can make the adjustment today. Hope, everything that God, when he's telling you something, there's hope attached to it. There is an ability to change it. If not, then it's just critiquing. It's just trying to tear you down. But edification comes when someone edifies you, it builds you up. He tells you something so you can make the correct changes. It says in the word, what father doesn't chastise his son, doesn't correct his son, instruct his son? What father? If you're a good father, it says he uh, corrects the one, the child whom he loves, the son whom he loves. Okay, so if, that's, if, if you realize today, hmm, it really hasn't been my desire. It really hasn't been the first thing I think of when I wake up. When I go to bed, it's on my mind. All throughout the day, I'm meditating on it. Like when you're in love, you're thinking about them all the time. If the word is not something you desire, if the word isn't something on the inside of you that pulls you, that desire, that drives you, it's not first place. And if it's not first place, he's not first place. <sighs> yep. <laughs> it's the truth. So the cares of the world, the cares of the world, if you let it, it'll choke the word. The cares of the world, if you let it, will choke out that word. You can plant the seed. You can start to water it. Which, by the way, watering, when we went to Isaiah 55. He said, uh, like rain and like snow, my word goes forth and waters the ground and produces fruit. So we know that the seed is the word, but also the watering is the word. So the seed of the word is the first time you heard it. The first time you really heard it. I'm talking about you really heard it. There's a hearing and there's a hearing. With your spiritual ears, the first time you really heard it. There was a time that actually uh, Dad Hagen said that uh, he was preaching. And he was preaching in Mark 11, 23. And he said, oh, Lord, they already heard this. They already heard this. I don't know if I'd preach this again. The Holy Ghost said, I want you to preach it. And he said, they already heard this. And he said he got up there and he made the adjustment. He said, all right, I'll preach it. So he goes up there and he preaches it. And a man comes up to him and says, I wrote down every time he preached on that. I think it was, I'm going to guess the number. I think it was 11, but I don't remember exactly. He said, this is the 11th time I heard you preach this. He said he wrote down each time he heard you preach. And he said, this is the first time that I got it. It's the first time I got what you said. The seed is the first time it really got down in you. Now you got to water it. Now you got to water it with the word. More of that word. More of that word. Whatever the promise is, you got to feed on that word. So it says, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and... Uh, Cares and uh, desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Don't let desires for the things of the world. Mark, uh, Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and everything else will be added to you. All of those things, riches, desires, cares of the world, it will just be added to you. Don't make it first. Don't seek it first. Seek him first, and those things come. Amen? Praise God. Come back next week, and we're talking about the, the good soil, the 30, 60, 100-fold soil. Amen? That's powerful. Praise God. All right, Father, thank you for this service. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the seed of your word. Thank you for the watering of your word. I thank you, Lord, that this word is springing up on the inside of each and every person here. And I thank you that they are never the same after hearing this. For that is what your word does. It's life-changing. 
It's life transforming. It's bringing us closer to you for you are the word. And so, Lord, I thank you as this word has entered in their heart. I thank you cares of the world. Wait. My, you said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I thank you, Father, that the weight of the world would not enter in and choke the word that they've heard. I thank you that the deceitfulness of riches, deceitfulness of riches, that you'll have it all if you have those riches. That's deceit. I thank you that that will not enter in and choke the word, that they make a decision today. I choose life and blessing. I choose the word of God first in my life. I choose Jesus first in my life. Lord, I thank you that they're making the adjustments in their heart today, if that's them. If what I said touched their heart, that they're making adjustments to say, I'm changing my desires to be the word. I am making it first place in my life. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that those adjustments are being made today and that your grace and your mercy follow them, that your goodness is running after them, that they know you love them and that they are the apple of your eye. And Father, for those here, I thank you for the offering. I thank you, Father, that those who come up and after we're finished here, that they bring up their offering. Lord, I thank you that it says in your word, you will open up the store, uh, the windows of heaven, that you will pour out such a blessing upon them that they won't even be able to contain it. I thank you that they know the blessing of Abraham is theirs, but if they're going to have the blessing that Abraham walked in, they have to do what he did, and he was a giver, and he tithed, and he gave. And Lord, I thank you that it touches their heart, that they're tithers, that they're givers, and I thank you, Lord, as they sow, just like we're seeing in your word, these spiritual things, that in the natural it brings forth fruit. So I thank you that it's not just a spiritual sowing where, oh, I just, I, I prosper spiritually. Yes, you prosper and be in health spiritually. But that naturally, it says in Isaiah 55, that, you, that it actually caused the earth to bring forth and bud. The natural things, the natural finances, the physical items come into fruition as you plant the spiritual thing. And so, Lord, I thank you as they're planting today with their physical finances, but their heart is attached to it. And that's a spiritual aspect. That's a spiritual law that you've set in place. I thank you that as they seek you, and I thank you as they give into your kingdom, Lord, I thank you it comes back to them, shaken, pressed together, running over. I thank you that they are walking in the full blessing and everything that you have for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can bring up your, you can bring up your offering. Praise God.